0: Well, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, it's been neat to be involved with um, the summer series. This is the second year for me um, in a row uh, to be involved. in. Um, and Carl spoke last week, and Kevin uh, before, and uh, Ray Stewart's going to speak after me. Um, Barry, uh, Barry Brosey, he's the, the senior gentleman that plays bass up here every now and then, he, uh, he said about six weeks ago, he said, hey, I see you're on the, the schedule for the the sermon series. I said, yeah, yeah, I am. And he said, uh, he said, well, um, you did it last year, so it should go pretty well this year. And I said, well, yeah, but last year I told him everything I know. <laughs> so, so this year uh, I had to study some more and learn some more. But um, I, I want to have a conversation with you this morning. Um, how many of you have heard a sermon that was designed to guilt you into doing something? Raise your hand. Okay, so some of you admitted it, and others either you weren't listening or not. I don't know. Everybody has heard sermons that were designed to guilt you into doing something. I know uh, when I was in college, I remember walking away from sermons. Um, I went to a, a Christian college, um, and occasionally we would get guys who would come through uh, that really wouldn't speak with a spirit of grace at all. And so I, I remember walking away from sermons, thinking, "Man, just hopeless. You know, there, there's just no way I'm going to be able to." succeed at being good enough to do whatever it was he just spent the last hour yelling at you about. Okay, um, So today is your lucky day, because today is not designed to, guilt, to feel, make you feel guilty into doing something about the Great Commission. So hopefully when you heard that I was going to speak on the Great Commission, or you saw that in the, in the bulletin, hopefully you didn't think, Ugh, another sermon on the Great Commission. Hopefully uh, that's not the case. Uh, so I want to have a conversation with you. Um, so I'm going to tell you some things, um, and we're going to talk about our text, which is Matthew 28, uh, 16 through 20, uh, where Jesus gave his disciples a commandment to go and tell and make disciples and, and bring, be involved with bringing people into the kingdom. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, it's going to be an exegesis of sorts, so hopefully it won't take me too long, and then I'm going to show you some things. So we're going to go through some examples. Um, from my own life, uh, because um, the examples from my own life are more real to me than anything else. So hopefully we'll, we won't focus on that too much. But then I want to just go through some real examples about sharing our faith. And I was, I was standing back here because I didn't want to interrupt Christodos, when he was talking about uh, the gospel and um, being involved with what they do, with what he does in India. Um, it's kind of interesting. In, in a moment... I just kind of felt why am I even have it? why do I even need to have this discussion today you know with with what people in countries where Christianity is illegal or people are persecuted or or whatever um, the gospel s- stands and it stands out, and people people do what they're commanded to do and but and then I, I realized or God brought to my heart that um we are a product of our culture, and so we don't really we don't face persecution here really, not yet. Um, And so while there's Christians dying for their faith over there, we have people timid to share their faith over here. So I think we need to have this discussion today. Um, So let's look at the text, Matthew 28, Matthew 28, uh, verse 16. Jesus said, um, and Jesus talking to the disciples, he said, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Uh, let's, let's pray and ask God to bless, bless our talk this morning. Father, thank you for the freedom that we have here in this country to, to come together and publicly uh, worship and proclaim you as King, Lord. We thank you for that. Thank you for preserving your word. Thank you that when um, I read here from the book of Matthew that we know that those are your words and they've been preserved and, and brought through the centuries uh, to us, and we can be confident that we have Your Word in front of us, Lord. Uh, Lord, please just somehow, in spite of me and my weaknesses and um, insufficiency, I pray that You would somehow use what um, I'm about to say to touch some hearts that are here and to make them aware or remind them that um, that they can uh, be involved in the Great Commission with some confidence. And we, bless, we thank you, Lord. Please bless our time together. May it honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, the first thing I wanted to go through is some examples of false thinking about the Great Commission. And I'm going to go through just quickly a list of, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 things. And if you're like me, you'll be able to identify with them. Everything I'm about to go through here comes from my own head and my own heart—things that I've struggled with personally. Um, and if you can identify with it, make a note, and then we'll we'll move on. Um, oh, and and I wanted to say too, um, <clears throat> the Great Commission—we're um, uh, we're told to share our faith, right? So when we talk about sharing our faith, that when I, I'm going to say that a few times, that kind of embodies several things. But it's it's having the courage to talk to others about Jesus Christ and be involved with bringing them into the kingdom. So people struggle with um, the Great Commission because they say, I'm afraid, right? I'm afraid. Or uh, I can't do it, uh, I don't know how. Does anybody ever feel that way? I don't know how to share my faith. Um, no one would really be interested, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm a guy going to work and doing my thing and the guy next to me is doing his thing and I, you know, I don't you know, I don't know. I don't know if they'll be interested. Uh, How about this? I can't be a good disciple maker because I don't have my own Christian life figured out. Does everybody feel like that? I do. Um, Or I can't effectively witness to others because I'm a failure sometimes at my walk with Christ. Or people will think I'm a hypocrite. Um, Here's one. Um, How many of you were saved at a young age? Raise your hand. Okay, it's like half the room. Okay. I, me too. I, I was I was I accepted Christ in December of uh, 1984. I was 12. Um, have you ever thought? I know I have. Well, my testimony is not really that spectacular because I was 12. I really didn't have a whole lot of chance to get into a whole lot of nasty stuff. So God didn't really you know change me that much. So I'm not sure my testimony would be convincing. Okay. Um, those are all. Um, what I would call false thinking about the Great Commission. Um, So let's look at the text closely and the verbs and the action that's in there. Jesus said, all authority is given to me. So let's set the stage. At that moment when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he had just risen from the dead, okay? Um, Just a couple of verses before the Religious leaders and the soldiers were conspiring amongst themselves to figure out how they were going to lie to the people to answer for where Jesus went. The guy rose from the dead, okay, and so now he's meeting with his disciples, and he said, "All authority is given to me." And in that moment, what Jesus is talking about is power, okay. Um, When they when he said all authority or all power is given to me, that meant something to the disciples. They have been living and working with this guy for three years, watching him do miracles probably daily. I don't know that we have recorded miracles daily, but watching this guy, God, work miracles. He's powerful. Um, Think uh, Peter, perhaps, in this moment when he says, all authority is given to me. Peter thinks back to when Jesus was walking on the water. Well, that meant something to them. That means something to me. Because I, I, uh, I love my job here at the church, and um, I work with the music, and I uh, work with the musicians, and uh, I work with people, and I, I occasionally I get involved with discipling people, and I make some calls, and, um, you know, my church work, but I have a day job, and I'm an engineer, and, and the engineers, were nerdy when it comes to science, okay? Yeah, Will's giving me this thing. Um, when I think of Jesus walking in water, I think about water. Right, it's 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 uh, at 68 degrees. It's 8.3 pounds per gallon. Okay, and and uh, when it flashes the steam, it releases thousand BTUs per pound. And um, I it's it's uh, it's a Newtonian fluid. <laughs> okay, everybody's looking at me like I'm an idiot. Right, what that means is its, its viscosity doesn't change no matter what you do to it. It never gets thick enough to walk on. Okay. And, and there was a, a storm, and, and the Sea of Galilee is, what, 65 miles, square miles, okay? And it's 680 feet below sea level. So we got this warm, moist air. Now, this is all about me thinking about power. All this, you know, goes through my head. That there's warm air up in the mountains up here, or, or cold air up here, cool air, and there's warm air down here. And when warm and cold collide, you get a storm. Have you heard about the storms in the Sea of Galilee? Okay? Think about the mass of air above. See, nobody thinks like this but me. But I promise I'm going to get off it quick. Okay. Think about the mass of air that's above the surface, 65 square miles of air, 680 feet tall. It's 98 billion pounds of air. Okay? I did the math. So, we have 98 billion pounds of air swirling around on the Sea of Galilee. We got these guys six miles on the other side of the ocean or the sea in a boat, tossed around by the wind. And Jesus is walking on the water. You know how crazy that is? That's nuts. But Jesus is walking <laughs> on an Newtonian fluid with 98 billion pounds of mass of air swirling around. And the men on the boat were afraid because they see some spirit. They they know that spirits are real, right? They've seen Jesus exercise demons and all this stuff. And so they're afraid. And Jesus said, hey, don't worry, it's me. Have you spoken to somebody in a windstorm yet lately? You don't talk, you yell. That's a miracle all by itself. He's miles across the sea, and Jesus says, hey, don't sweat, it; it's me. And so Peter (laughs) <laughs> says okay speaks back, another miracle speaks back to Jesus and he says well if it's you let me come out there so now Peter's walking on a Newtonian fluid it's amazing it's amazing and it shouldn't be possible but it is because Jesus is powerful he's powerful all creation belongs to him he made it he controls it cellular cellular biology is his uh, he created he turned water into wine. He raised people from the dead. He exercised demons. When he would walk into the presence of a demon, they would, we we see it, we read it, they knew who he was. He declared who he was. It was powerful. Powerful. And so when he said, all authority is given to me, I believe in that moment, the disciples probably thought of all that and realized that he was powerful. Let's move on. Later in the verse, he says, all that power is given to me by God. And so he says um, go therefore so go um, something that i learned in the study of this verse go is the primary verb in that um, text in the text it's go and so where that's what we're supposed to do is go and make disciples and then the other verbs in the verse uh, tell us how we're supposed to do that okay so that word go there, I looked that up. Anybody can look that up you, with the powers of, of the things online and the original language that the, the Bible's translated from, you can look that up yourself. Go means while you're doing life or as you go along on your journey, make disciples. And so making disciples embodies a whole lot of stuff, what I don't have time to go into really of that one phrase, but making disciples is sharing Christ with them, seeing them come to Christ, and then spending time and investing in them and teaching them the ways of Jesus. And so, we're to make disciples of all nations, and nations embodies all ethnic groups, not just the countries, but all, everybody, across the entire world, all nations. And for me, this became more real when I studied this verse, um, because we think of missionaries going and doing their thing um, across the world, or even different nationalities, even in our own country, but all ethnic groups, that's everybody. Everybody needs to hear the gospel. And so Jesus said, baptizing them. So, um, There's a couple things to look at with baptizing. Um, When we look at Baptizing, um, baptism is a symbol of death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so when, when we think of making disciples in the context and with baptism in that context, we say, well, becoming a Christian or a believer in Christ is the first step, and so then we know that they're a believer, or we understand that their commitment is true because they're willing to commit and identify with Christ through baptism. Um, Romans 6.3 uh, you can turn there if you like, uh, Romans 6, 3, and 4. Um, baptism, uh, the scripture about baptism, all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. And we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so when we're making disciples and we're baptizing them, we're seeing them come into a new life from sin, forgiveness through grace, and we see them come into the family of Jesus Christ. So if you're, if we see someone who says, yep, yeah, I'm going to be a Christian, but then we don't see any commitment, or we don't see any uh, willingness to commit, then maybe we shouldn't necessarily start teaching them. Maybe we should continue sharing the gospel with them because uh, we wouldn't want to uh, convince them of any works-based uh, efforts. Uh, but anyway, that that's baptism. So um, and then Almost done with the exegesis, but I think it's important. So Jesus said, all authority is given to me. Because this is true, go while you're doing life, while you're on your journey, make disciples, baptizing them, seeing them come to Christ. And then he said, behold, or take notice. Hey, guys, pay attention to what I've just said. I'm with you. If you look at with, that's the same principle of being with uh, God is with us when we're introduced to Emmanuel and Isaiah. And then also in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, where it says, Emmanuel is with us, it's the same thing. He's with us. And he's with us until the end of the age. So until his plan is complete, we are to keep in mind that he's powerful. We're to go and make disciples. And we're to do so until the end of the age or until his um, time is complete. So that's the text, okay? So I've told you some stuff, and um, so I want to go into some examples. Um, when um, when I a couple years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, a year and a half ago, I uh, was thinking kind of along these lines, and I uh, said, "Well, you know, I don't have any non-Christian friends, um, and that's a problem when you when you need it, when you're wanting to share the gospel." or you're going to go about sharing the gospel uh, with people. And there is, um, there's this club that I joined. I, I ride a motorcycle, and, um, and I like to do that a lot. Um, and so I, I was looking online, and I was trying to find... Um, I, wanted, I was planning a day, day trip for myself. I was going to go out and ride around the mountains and whatever. And I was looking online for a suggested route to follow. And I came across this group, and they were a sport bike riders club. So they're not just motorcycle guys that they're like rolling roadblocks, and they, you know, they roll around. These guys actually get serious about riding. So I wanted to be involved with this. And so I kind of, I looked at it, and I looked it up, and I kind of figured out what they were about. Uh, And so I talked to my wife, Amy, and I said, hey, there's this group that goes out searching out twisty mountain roads. (laughs) I want to be a part of that. And so we talked about it. and I said, "You know what? This would be a great opportunity for me to be around non-believers." So she um, agreed, and that's great because now once a month I get to spend an entire Saturday running around the mountains on my motorcycle. Um, <coughs> but um, the interesting thing is, um, I'm beginning to I'm getting to know these people, and um, they are uh, they're they're a pretty foul bunch. They really are. Um, so I joined the Facebook page. Um, we have this closed group fa- Facebook page, and we, we uh, it's social media. You, you, know, you know how it goes. You, you say what you're thinking, and then other people say what they're thinking about what that guy's thinking, and you just bounce stuff around. And, but you can figure out, you can kind of understand what is going through a person's mind by what they throw out there on their Facebook or their Twitter or Instagram or, or whatever it is. Um, and, as I have now immersed myself in this group, um, and, and I uh, interact with them quite a bit, um, I have actually realized that I really enjoy their company. And I think they enjoy my company. And we, um, like I said, we get together about once a month, and we ride, and, s- and about every 90 minutes or so we take a break, and we get off the bikes, and we, we chit-chat, and we talk about our kids and our wives and what we do for work and which bike I decided to bring this week and whatever. Um, and so guys say, well, what do you do? It's a common question. Well, I have a day job, and I tell them about my day job. And then I say, but I'm, I'm on staff at a church in Elizabethtown. And um, so I began to open, open, try to open doors so that I can share my faith with these guys. And one break in particular... Um, This guy, Dan, was talking about his daughter, uh, his adult daughter, who went on a justice justice mission thing. Um, I think it was uh, hurricane relief or uh, tsunami relief or something. And I said, hey, I was just on a missions trip with my daughter, and the group we went to work with, their primary mission is rescuing children by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. So my point with all of that is... um, Immersing yourself with unbelievers so you can have an opportunity to share. Um, when, there's a few things to think about. So, in practical examples, and that's just, just one thing for me uh, where I've gotten involved with, this, with these guys. Is um, Things you want to think about is if you're taking notes and, you're, and you want to write something down, write this down. Um, practical examples and discussions on sharing our faith. First of all, um, we need to be prepared by knowing some scripture. Okay, Uh, Romans three twenty three, Romans six twenty three, Romans ten nine and ten. All of sin that comes short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And then Romans ten: If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you can be saved. That is in a nutshell, the plan of salvation. So we need to be prepared. Uh, we need to immerse ourselves among people who don't know Christ. If you don't have any unsaved friends, then I would suggest that you find some. Um, and then we need to learn, and we need, we need to be prepared. So we need, to, we need to know how to turn conversations to spiritual things. Okay, so, um, so you can write this down too, okay? Um, there's, there's four levels of talk Um, that you can use to turn conversations toward Christ. And um, I'm trying to do this with the guys in my motorcycle club uh, that I ride with, uh, and it's surface, talk, personal talk, religious talk, and then spiritual talk. Okay, so surface, personal, religious, spiritual. And as I engage with these, um, these guys that I get to know, um, one of those times that I was tr- working on these four things um, when, about the missions trip that I was telling you about, when I got home, um, there was an email in my inbox, and one of, the, one of the guys, his wife was along on the ride, and she said, hey, I heard you talking about the missions trip. Um, I think it's great you're willing to, you know, to proclaim that you're a Christian, um, you know, I struggle with my, I'm a Christian, but I don't know, I struggle with um, whether or not I could lose my salvation. And, and do you have any thoughts on that? So I came back to her with Romans 8:1, there's, no, there's therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. So just because I was willing to engage in surface, personal, religious, spiritual talk, I had an opportunity to make a better disciple. She's a believer already, but now I've come on to another one, and then her husband's a believer, and then the next ride, she introduced me to another guy. She pulled him over. She said, hey, I want, to meet you, want you to meet Dave. He's a believer just like we are, so maybe we're getting some momentum by kind of rallying the troops, okay, and so uh, we are hopefully now as there's four of us now who are believers in this, this, this group that I'm a part of, then maybe we'll be able to reach some of those, those people for Christ. Um, turn, turn in 1 Peter 3.13, something that we need to keep in mind um, when we are working to share our faith. We need to keep in mind that we've been guaranteed power from Jesus Christ and His presence. He's with us and that we have hope. We're the only hope. The hope that we offer through salvation in Christ really is the only hope that there is. Um, 1 Peter, um, this is 1 Peter 3.13. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame, for it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. I would imagine when Peter wrote this verse, I'll bet you he was thinking about the time when he saw Jesus after he was risen, and he said, all authority belongs to me. Go and make disciples. And then he wrote, be ready and prepared to um, have a defense and give a reason for the hope that's within you. So, as I get to know these guys, and there's, there's Mark, and there's Dan, and there's the other guy, Dan, and there's, there's Wilson, and there's Will, and there's the other guy, Will, as I get to know them, I am, I think to myself, well, who's going to share Christ with these guys if it's not me, or if it's not Lisa or Paul, the other people that I know, who's going to tell them about the hope that they have? And as I watch on their, um, their Facebook pages, and I read what these guys write, they're hopeless, They got nothing. But I know what their hope can be. I have it. And I can share it with them. And what I want you to grasp of this big illustration about what I'm doing is not about me, but I want you to catch the passion too. And I want you to love people and know that you may be the only hope they'll ever have. Examples. <clears throat> Examples of what this looks like. Living on our faith. So, on, um, <clears throat> on Sundays, after we finish our rehearsal, um, I like to make a run up to co- Turkey Hill and get coffee and peanuts. <laughs> and uh, I eat more peanuts than probably most elephants, okay? So, I, so we run up there, and uh, Ben or Katie or Will, whoever's around, I said, hey, let's go make a run for coffee. And um, there's this gal, there's a gal up there that, I, that works up there, and I hadn't seen her before. And so I said, hey, and I looked at her name tag, hey, Casey, how are you doing? And she said, I'm good. And I said, what's going on for you this summer? And she said, I'm about to graduate from high school. I'm going to nursing school in the fall. Oh, yeah? Where are you going to nursing school? Millersville, okay? End of conversation. I come back down here, all right, and get my game face on for for, for work, for church, for leading worship. So the next week, or maybe two weeks later, um, Ben and I run up there again, and she's there. Hey, Casey, how are you? She looks at me, and she's like, I'm crazy. She doesn't. So remember, I'm the guy. I'm, uh, oh, I forgot to tell you. In that first meeting, I said, I'm the worship and music guy at the church over the hill over there. Okay, so next week, I said, hey, Casey, how are you? She looked at me like I was crazy. I said, remember, I'm the guy, the music guy? Oh, yeah, I remember you. And uh, and at this this minute, Ben looked at her and said, hey, I know you, you're my neighbor. Hmm? So now I'm not a crazy old creepy guy. (laughs) I am a real person has a real interest in her who's hanging out with one of her peers who's also a believer right? so will I ever have the chance to share the explicit gospel with her about sin and forgiveness and salvation at the counter up there I don't know maybe not maybe not but I planted a seed and maybe Ben will be coming home from work one day and case will be coming home from work one day and he'll have a chance. Or Ronnie, who's been sister, will come home from work one day when she's coming home from work one day and say, hey, I heard you met, bumped into my brother at Turkey Hill. Hmm? And maybe she'll have a chance to share. But it's living out our faith, always being conscious of the opportunities that we may have to share uh, with other people. Example. Now, I had worked out this great example, and there's usually a row of kids right here, and they are not here. So, I was going to use an example with, with children sharing their faith, okay? And I was going to use, I was going to work with, with Tegan Akers, but um, she's not here. So, uh, I'm going to try to use the example anyway, uh, and maybe the other kids who were in the room that I wasn't sure if you would trust me enough to get you up here on the platform, so I'm not going to do that. But we're going to work. We're, gonna, we're just going to go through it. So what I was going to ask her was, do you know any unsafe kids? And she would probably say yes, right? And so then I was going to say, well, what do you guys talk about? And um, and I would fish around for something, uh, something along the lines of, I hate my parents, or... Um, I, my parents are mean or uh, you know whatever, but then but kids okay, kids you're listening though, right younger guys now let' think about this. your parents are the biggest authority in your life, they represent the most they're probably the most significant people in your life, and your parents let you down, right occasionally, sure they do um, and so what I was going to suggest to kids when you ask see we're we're, we're doing surface talk, we're asking superficial kind of questions. And then when they give you the answer that you may be looking for, you can take that a little, a step deeper. Okay. And so um, somebody complains about the parents and you say, you know what? My parents aren't perfect either, but I have a heavenly father who's perfect. Can I tell you about him? If they say, yes, the door's open Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 9 and 10. Bam, bam, bam. Share the gospel. If they say no, door's closed. It's okay. It's not your job to win people to Christ. It's your job to simply obey and to share and to be prepared. Because God's going to bring into the kingdom who he brings into the kingdom. And we want to be involved with that, right? In obedience. Okay, now I do have another example, all right? Um, and Andrew Toth's going to help me, um, and he, he knew about this. Um, so I've showed the little, the younger guys, t- 12, 11, 12, 13 year olds, kind of what it means to turn a uh, conversation to spiritual things. Now this is Andrew. How's it going, Andrew? Good. Good. Are you nervous? No. No. Oh, he's up here all the time. He plays drums. Okay. So do you have a summer job? Two summer jobs. That's impressive, Mom and Dad. Okay. Um what do you do? I put up tents in Oregon Warehouse. Tents, like what does that mean? Tents. Like events? Yes. Okay. So if you're driving through Hershey and you see the big tents, Andrew put that up. Okay? Okay. Do you know do you know non-Christians? Yes. Okay. Um can you f- think of a couple names of non-Christians? You know them well enough to know their name? Yeah. Okay, give me one. Alex. Alex, okay. Um, and before when we were talking, you said there's another guy that works in the warehouse that you're telling about. What's his name? Ray. Ray. Okay. Um, do you know anything about, uh, do you know anything about Ray? Mm-hmm. Any, I mean, are you, are you close to Ray? No. You, you talk with Ray? Okay. Tell, tell me something that you know about Ray. Um, I know that he struggles financially. He struggles to provide for his family. Okay. So he's married, he's got, married, he's got kids. Yes. Okay. And I'm assuming he knows your name. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You can go sit down. Okay, so Andrew has a friend, a uh, casual friend probably. He works with him in the warehouse, um, probably storing tents and stuff. And Ray, if Ray works in the warehouse, he's probably packing a truck so Andrew can take it out and set it up, right? But in the process, he has learned that Ray is struggling to provide for his family, okay? So, opportunity is, hey, Ray. Um, I overheard you talking about struggling with providing for your family. Can can we pray about that? Can I pray with you? Can I pray for you? Did have you ever offered to pray for someone and somebody and they just said no? That's not gonna happen. Most likely that won't happen. And so Andrew could, could say, Hey, Ray, um, I'd like to pray with you about that. <clears throat> if Ray shows interest, Andrew can say, um, and The reason why I think it's worth it to pray with you about that is because I believe we can trust God to provide for us. Can I tell you about that? So, now, I I just concocted that whole thing, right? But it's just an example to show you what it's like to take someone that you barely know or maybe that you don't know very well and take a conversation and just kind of work it in and work it down to a spiritual, perhaps, of open door. A spiritual open door uh, so that you can share your faith. Another example. Who likes to play golf? Raise your hand. Three. Come on. Participate. Who likes to play golf? All right. Okay. How many of you golfers are retired? Raise your hand. Two, three. Okay. Okay. So, retired, or maybe you're off on a Saturday, but here's the idea, okay? Um, That club, that motorcycle club I told you about, um, they're on meetup. Write this down, meetup.com, right? So, you you guys who like golf, if you go to meetup.com, you can find thousands. There's like 125,000 meetup groups out there, okay? and they're all looking for something, to do something or participate with somebody or, or do whatever they like to do with somebody else that likes to do what they like to do, all right? So an idea is for those of you who like to play golf, especially the retired guys because you've maybe got some time during the day, is sign up on meetup.com and then go play golf. How about that? And then now, um, and, and you can expect that you're welcome there. Because you signed up and you're part of the group. And so you can go, and you can get in a foursome, and you can sit in a cart, and now you've got a captive audience for an entire day to talk about whatever it is they want to talk about, right? So you can talk about surface stuff, what do you like to do, do you have kids, I have kids. So when you tell somebody about your something about yourself, then you have kind of indirectly giving them a license, yourself a license to ask them about the same thing, right? So, hey, what do you do? I'm a marketing representative for so-and-so. And And you say, well, I'm retired, but I get involved with a church. And then um, later, maybe the two holes down, you can say, do you go to church anywhere? Ah, And if they do, you can say, what do you believe at your church?" And then who knows what they're going to say? You've got to be good, you've got to live good, and you know, who knows what they're going to say. But if they answer your question, now you've got an opportunity to tell them what you believe at your church. And we work the conversation little by little, into something that you can direct people toward the gospel. And then you can use the scripture that you've studied and be, to be prepared with. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 10.9 and 10. 1 John 1.9, so on and so on and so on. Martin Luther um, had some thoughts on sharing faith. He, uh, there was a gentleman who had come to Christ, <clears throat> I, I guess, as a part of his ministry. And, and the guy came to Martin Luther and he said, what is the best way for me to share my faith? And Martin Luther said, what do you do? And the guy said, I'm a cobbler. I make shoes. Okay? And Martin Luther said, make shoes, make good shoes, and sell them at a fair price. That's what you got to do, man. Make shoes, make good ones, and sell them at a fair price. Living hospitality around other people, living out your faith, working that surface talk to spiritual, uh, to uh, personal, to religious to spiritual. And as you work through those things, if the doors are open, you're doing the surface talk, they want to talk to you, all right? All right, let's step into personal talk. If they want to engage you on personal talk, then you take it a little deeper into religious talk. Religion's easy. Religion's easy to talk about. Everybody's got some kind of religion. And then when you have an opportunity to tell what your religious talk is, you can take another step And you tell them what you believe about Jesus Christ and the explicit definition of the gospel and forgiveness of sin and and grace and salvation and eternal security and whatever else the door is open. People want hope. They really do. Because without Christ, they're hopeless. Peter said, be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. Why? Because there is no hope. Look around. The world's coming down around us. Economy's falling apart. Greece, what's happening with Greece and Europe? They're all worried about the Euro, and Greece is imploding, and the, the world's coming apart, and, and over here we have politicians who hate other politicians. And, uh, there's no hope. There really isn't. And I'm, I'm going to park on social media for a second. Um, I, watch, I watch people on their Facebook page, and I really think that they believe their hope is this country. It's not. Our hope is not the American flag. It's not the Confederate flag. It's not bashing uh, people of different persuasion. I I read, there, there's a guy that's, that, um, I read his comment once. He said, I think I'm going to start a bakery so I can tell lesbians to pound sand. Really? Like, you're a believer? What, what does that mean? Our hope is not in what we think our sociopolitical position is or our hope is not this country or our hope is not what the founding fathers thought this country was. It's in Jesus Christ. Amen. That's right. There's no other hope. Amen. And so when we are immersing ourselves with unbelievers and we are studying scripture so that we can be prepared and we are working on ways to take surface talk to personal talk to religious talk to spiritual talk. We need to understand that we we are the only thing that has the hope. It's us. It's us sharing about Jesus Christ and what he can do for them. One more example. I've watched Pastor Dick do this. We're at um, we go to break he and I go to breakfast I don't know once a month or so. Uh, and so we're, we'll be sitting at the we'll be sitting at the table, and the server lady comes over, and she says, you know, she brings the water and, and whatever we're we're uh, ordering. And he says, "Hey, we're getting ready to pray in a minute. Can we pray for you?" Now, I've seen him do this a couple times. Um, the one lady looked at him like like he had a horn growing out the side of his head. Okay, but as I recall, the other time the lady actually told him something. And he's up there a lot. So when he prays about whatever that was, now he can say, hey, what about so-and-so? How's that going? Do I need to keep praying about that? Can I tell you why I think it's worth the trouble to pray for that? So um, I really don't have a good closing. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, wanted, I wanted to share with you that Jesus has all the power, all of it. And he's guaranteed it to us if we just grab a hold of it. And then uh, I just wanted to show that to the text, and I wanted you to see and just think through some just real, real examples that I'm doing, Dick's doing, other people are doing, that just, it just, it works. It opens the door. So I hope that you'll be encouraged. Um, Be encouraged. We, We don't, I mean, you look at Peter who wrote, be, be, um, be ready to share the hope that lies within you. I was just talking with Brad about this in a breakout session in, uh, in Sunday school. Peter was a complete failure. All the way up until the book of Acts where he preached at Pentecost. The guy was a failure. Over and over again. But he still shared the gospel at Pentecost. And many, many, many people came to Christ through this guy's ministry. So, if you have been a failure to date, put it behind you and be encouraged that you, me, all of us, if you have a desire at all to share, then you can have power in doing so. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for um, this passage and um, thank you that you, all the authority has been given to you, and that because that's true, we can go, and we can make disciples, and we can share our faith, and we can be involved with, uh, we can be involved with seeing people come to Christ, and investing time into their lives, and so that they can learn what it means to be a believer. In Jesus' name, amen.